Welcome to Beyond the Board, the podcast that explores the themes and real-life inspirations behind tabletop games. I'm Mike. I'm Spencer. That's the one laughing. On today's episode of Beyond the Board, we'll be discussing the game Sagrata. That's Sagrata in English. The Sagrata. The Sagrata, yes. Sagrata. I love Sagrata. Um, I actually play this game a lot with my mom. She She's the one that ultimately bought it, and anytime I go and visit, we play this game. She doesn't play a lot of board games, but when she does, she plays Sagrada. It's Sagrada. It's it's fun. It's, it's laid back. It's easy to play. It's a dice drafting game. So we talked about a similar sort of game with Azul in the past, a drafting yes. game. A resource in the center, everybody's taking from it, and... Building something. Azul, who just won the Spiel Diaris. Yes, congratulations. Sorry, back to the game. Well, the, the, it's actually interesting that you mentioned that the two are so often compared to one another. Which one do you like? And I think they both have their, their strengths and their weaknesses. But the concept of Sagrada is, yes, you're pulling these dice from the center, these colorful dice. They all have a different color, and you're placing them into a little kind of like cardboard slotted tile, and you're building a stained glass window, essentially. Uh, you have a, a t- it's almost like Sudoku-esque, where there's a, 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 a card that says, like, a five has to go here, or a green die has to go here, and you're slowly building out from the edges this beautiful pattern, and every time the patterns are going to be largely different from each other, and it's whoever builds the most successful pattern based off of some objectives. It's pretty straightforward, and it's very laid back. I have a lot of fun with it. The opposite of what actual building a stained glass window is. But if you didn't know, uh, what is stained glass? That's a very good question, Mike. Uh, (laughs) Well, so stained glass is colored glass or mosaic windows or art pieces that are made from different types of colored glass. We're usually associated with medieval and the Renaissance era and those giant cathedrals. Uh, But stained glass is actually a global phenomenon that's actually been around for thousands of years. I was going to say hundreds. Well, it's technically true, but yeah. (laughs) Literally hundreds, but actually thousands. The uh, ancient Egyptians uh, were able to color the glass and that they were used to make small little beads uh, or as an accent for other works like vases and pieces of art. Yeah, so not only is stained glass as an art form or medium older than you might think, but like you said, it extends beyond just Europe. It extended beyond Egypt in the Middle East, in Southwest Asia, and in India, you see examples of stained glass windows or stained glass art being used mostly in places of worship, like you said, the cathedrals in Europe. But as we kind of alluded to in the Azul episode, the art that was created with stained glass in these Islamic and Arabic countries did not depict people in them, as you might usually think of when you think of stained glass. Instead, it's these kind of ever-expanding, interesting patterns of tiles because Islamic law forbids the depiction of man or God. And so they have to try and make these really interesting interpretations of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when we think about stained glass in the Western culture, we generally think about Europe and European cathedrals and European windows, uh, especially during the Middle Ages and bleeding into the Renaissance. Uh, It really exploded... Uh, as a time, at this time, as an art form that really depicts different iconography and religious beliefs and importance, Um, one of the reasons why there was in church. And as a result, they served a number of purposes. First, they were used to honor particular 
saints uh, or individuals. I think eventually it became the Holy Family and a bunch of other scenes. And as I say on that, on top of that, with the scenes, they they depicted everything from the beginning, like Genesis, all the way to Revelations from the Bible. And this created scenes so people who were illiterate who can't read the Bible or they're still able to understand what's going on and and take in and still pray and worship with these different icons. Yeah, so they these windows, these stained glass windows, they filled these church halls and that added that that element, that visual element for people to understand and maybe appreciate what was going on, but also visually compelling, beautiful thing and especially if you had no idea how stained glass was made, it looked almost probably magical to be in a church and then suddenly have the sun come through and this colorful spectrum and this perfect scene appears in front of you. Just right at that right time where the the sun just hits the glass and there's these giant... Because I'm sure it's pretty dusty back then, too, if you think about it. So the dust is in the air and you have these beams of light. So it literally looks like God is coming through the window. (laughs) So it was a very powerful and thought out method of showing appreciation for these various religious practices. And so how did they get it in there in the first place? Like like I just said, if you had no idea how it worked, then yeah, it seemed like magic. So we're going to pull the curtain back here for a second. Let's let's talk about how one actually makes the the stained glass. And then how is it assembled and how does that actually perfectly show up in the game Sagrada. Yes. So making stained glass. Uh, an interesting thing to note right away is that a lot of the processes used hundreds of years ago are still used today. And while stained glass used primarily for places of worship, uh, you found a figure that only 10% of stained glass produced today is used in churches and the rest is used in residences and other industries, right? Yeah. So you think about a lot of modern day architects, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright actually had a lot of stained glass in, mm-hmm. in some of his work. Businesses who just want to have an interesting window display or even kind of like a hanging sign to attract people. It's it's much more commonplace in a more secular sense than it is or than it was hundreds of years ago. I guess you think about there's not much there's not many places that have stained glass being installed, especially in churches nowadays you don't see many giant cathedrals just coming up besides what's that one cathedral that's been being built for over a hundred years that's like still being built it's used oh i'm not familiar with <laughs> i'll it. find out I, it's just like it's constantly being added on to oh and it's never stopped and so there's like a modern part and there's this really old gothic part anyway that's one of the very few that probably still use stained glass nowadays well, that's a good. That's an interesting point you make. Is that there probably aren't as many new churches being built. Churches typically are older structures, and so new things that are being built are businesses and residences. So if the stained glass industry wants to stay a thing, they've got to accommodate the things that are actually being built right now. Yeah. So okay, how is it built? How that's do they make question. this stuff in the first place? Well, you need a lot of silica, and silica is a compound. If you want to think. The most common thing, it's sand. Sand is, most types of sand that we know of on Earth are made of silica or are considered silica. Uh, Silica itself actually makes up 10% of the crust of the Earth. So we've got a lot of it. We can make a lot of glass if we need to. 
And so what you would do is you'd take this sand or silica and at extremely high temperatures, you could melt it down and then you add what is called an alkali, usually something like lime, lead oxide, or potash to help lower the melting temperature of it. And the furnaces used to make stained glass are typically 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit. So they're pretty doggone hot. Uh, and then all the silicate gets melted down and it'll cool into glass. But that just makes clear glass. Right. That process alone is how we make glass for windows, windshields, anything that, any glass that you can think of. That's the basics. Melt down some sand, get some stuff that's going to make that a little bit easier for you. Do it at home. (laughs) It's very straightforward. (laughs) Microwave. But this is stained glass. It has these beautiful colors to it. And so... In order to add color to it, different ingredients are introduced during that process to create the different colors. So there are a whole host of ingredients, and we could we could read through them all, but just to give you an idea, there are certain things that are associated with particular colors. So copper oxide could make anything from ruby to blue to even green, so it was kind of a flexible sort of thing. And things like cobalt was your blue. You use cobalt to largely make most shades of blue. Is it the same kind of metals they use in fireworks? You know what? I actually don't know. Because you think about certain fireworks, it's just metal burning, right? Right. And that creates all the well, difference. that makes sense. I wonder if it's the same. Hmm. I'll look that up. Hmm. Well, so, there's a there's a firework game that we can do in the future and talk <laughs> about like this whole the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you think about adding the colors to this mixture, you can think of this kind of like a recipe. When you're taking your favorite cocktail, you have your measured parts, your different ingredients, and you make your finished drink. But if you add more or less of one thing, it completely changes your flavor profile Um, and probably the whole cocktail altogether. And so the same idea applies here. Different components combined and mixing one or another. It's kind of like a painter at your Home Depot mixing paint. That's not product placement. Just really love Home Depot. (laughs) But that's absolutely the idea. And so you create a a batch. Essentially, is one batch makes a particular type of color, and you then need to actually turn it into glass. It will cool, but you need to help with that cooling process. And so you might hand blow it. If you've ever seen glass blown, it's very cool. I know there are places that you can actually participate or do my, it. Have you ever done that yeah, before? Yeah, my, my brother did, and it's so funny. He was doing it, and they call it throwing the glass because you take it and you throw it, and you're, oh, like, spinning okay. it around while you're introducing air. And my brother did it, and he did it. For, it was his first time doing it. And the guy was like, all right, how many years have you been doing this? And he goes, this is my first time. And he goes, that's – no, this is not your first time. He played <laughs> trumpet all his life, so he knew how to push down the air through the tube. Oh, and nice. he just had the strong cheek muscles. But, yeah, it's the throwing the glass and introducing that air in there and creating, like, a little bulb, if yeah. you will. That's a very involved process yes. to do something like that. If you want to mass produce the glass, you roll it out. A rolling technique is used where you basically pour this molten hot colored sand (laughs) onto a flat surface and then you have rollers that go over it to roll it into a flat, uniform shape. Like a bakery. Yeah, exactly like a bakery. You roll out your your cake before you cut it up. Fun fact, that molten glass is called gob. It is. Yeah. Big old gob of glass. (laughs) So that helps make one color. That makes a whole bunch of glass that is one color. But as you alluded to, paints is this combination of color. Art is a, is a, a multicolor sort of thing. So 
how do you enhance this glass? How do you turn this into something maybe beyond just the mono, monotone thing that it is? So over the years, artists have uh, developed different effects, uh, like silver nitrate or silver stain was created and starting around 1300 and added a yellowing effect to the glass. So when you see those icons of uh, Jesus or, or the Holy Family with that halo around them or even the saints with that halo around them, uh, it creates that's how they created that yellow effect. In addition, some artists would actually paint on top of the glass. So they would take sometimes a colored glass or sometimes clear glass and they would actually outline and paint on the glass. And what that did was it let them affect how much sunlight was coming through on certain parts. So you could have hair that had little wisps in it, but only so much light would go through. And then you actually had the outline of the hair, which they painted darker to give that effect when you look at it. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. The level of detail work that was that's done even necessarily before the window gets put together. Mm-hmm. Just you've got this cooled glass and you can do you can still do so much with it before you've even started to cut into it. And it's so that that yellowing effect that you mentioned just hits so well with the thing that you're talking about where the light comes in at just the right time. It's absolutely going to be this inspiring mythical magical this moment holy like looking it will look like a glowing aura. halo yeah. it will actually look as if that person has a glowing halo on them and <laughs> it that is absolutely intended that was a perfected art that wasn't just it just didn't happen to be that way yeah it's very cool so this glass they've been working on it they've been coloring it they've been staining it cools down settles down and they shape it they cut it the only cut it just for shipping. We're not talking about cutting it into these smaller shapes yet. That comes a little bit later. But these mass productions at these factories, they cut down the glass so that they can ship it out to the artists who are ultimately going to take this information, take these colors and everything, and make something beautiful out of it. So we're going to talk about the assembly right after this break. Oh, oh no! no! <laughs> Shouldn't have said break. Hello, all you wonderful listeners out there in podcast land. Mike here. If you didn't know, Spencer and I actually make games as well. If you go to whizbotgames.com, you can check out what games we have available. Uh, Right now, we have two completely free role-playing games for download. They're really easy rules-light systems, and you should check them out. Once again, that's whizbotgames.com. Like a wizard robot. You'll see the logo. We're break. I mean, we're back. That was a close one. We are back, though. It's time. It's time to build some some stained glass. Yes. All right. So we got these huge panes of glass mm-hmm. that are all sorts of colors, and they're all ready to be assembled into beautiful works of art by this artist. Uh, how's it done? Well, if fifth grade Spencer is any kind of expert, Let's it's fifth grade you Spencer. just paint over some glass. <laughs> I I remember as an art project in fifth grade, we made stained glass and it did largely involve just kind of painting over glass <laughs> rather than doing any kind of staining process but i got the basics of it so <laughs> any light come through there is a little bit 
I think we did the same thing, and we we mimicked stained glass, but we used like pipe cleaners and tissue paper, so the light could oh, actually that makes, come. That makes way more. Tempera sense. paint doesn't seem to well <laughs> to allow a lot of light through. Was know. this your decision or your teacher's? decision? My teacher's decision. Okay. I didn't get to make too many decisions in fifth grade. Do you want to call them out by name? No, I'm good for right now. <laughs> but let's how let's talk about how it's actually done by okay. a real professional. Uh, a glazier, I believe, is how it's pronounced. Is it glazier or glazier? Glazier, perhaps. Okay. I'm going to call them the artist from sure. here on out. It'll be a little bit easier. These these stained glass windows, they are handcrafted. They don't get shipped out in that complete form and then they just pop it into the wall. It has to be built and assembled by an individual or a team of people who are... This is their specialty, is fitting glass and assembling glass in interesting ways. And they don't just start cutting up the glass and assembling it either. There's steps to take before that. You got blueprints. You got your your outline of what you're going to do. Uh, so the artist needs to draw this design, and they actually draw it to scale. They draw full, full sales scale size of what's called a cartoon, which is an interesting fact. Yeah. So before it was in the Sunday papers, it was, uh, it was on your church wall. Yeah, and... The full-scale thing is the thing that just blows my mind. I mean, when you think of the size of some of these stained-glass windows, somebody basically laying down a sheet of paper and drawing out... Some of these are, like, 40 feet tall. Right. Like, you can't... Where did they lay that out? That's what I didn't... I didn't. Where was see... the space yeah, to lay out the, the paper? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I have a problem with. But... They're, they're huge. Why would you even need to do this in the first place? Why can't you just draw a small version, hold it up, and be like, is this what you want? Yes, that is done first, just to make sure the design. But there's a reason they made this full size. Because the artists, they take the glass that's been sent to them, they do any of that fine touching work, the staining work that Mike had been talking about earlier, and then it comes time to actually cutting it up. They cut up the glass into so many small pieces that are going to fit this design that they've created, and they need to assemble them like a jigsaw puzzle. Mm -hmm. And as they're doing that, like when they're cutting, they can get a basic shape, but they're going to have to fine-tune it, and they'll put it on the cartoon, they'll bring it back, they'll cut a little bit more off, they'll put it on the cartoon, and they're really making it perfect for this puzzle. It's it's like, like a jigsaw, you're right, but they're building the pieces. It's what they're doing. Yeah, so so they'll do any fine touchings, they'll add any coloring, and if they add any additional paint, they'll usually add the paint and then look it up to the light or have some sort of light source that they'll be looking through. Modern day ones actually have a very large light board that they'll look through uh, and then actually just keep it on there so they can see in real time without having to constantly hold it up. And this process that we're describing now, the the cutting and shaping and painting and placement of the glass, this is what Sagrada is. This is what the entire game is. Is You can imagine each die that you pick up from the pool as a piece of glass that you are now kind of cutting and shaping and aligning into just the right place on your board. And you even, in fact, have tools in the game that allow you to reshape some of these dice, change the value of them or change the color of them. So the game does a great job of mimicking the concept of shaping and crafting glass or dice into this perfect design that you have in mind. So now you've got your glass and you've got your shapes of glass, 
but you also got to think about how they're going to be put together. So the cut lines on the cartoon that you have are not just for the shapes of the glass, but it actually creates the groove space in between the shapes where the connective material is used. And the process of combining the shape is actually, or all the shapes together, is called glazing. So that's what Sagrada is. It's you're glazing everything. Yeah, exactly. And so you you put the glass, the, the border pieces of the glass, into a, a wooden frame, essentially, that's going to help kind of support it and ultimately help you mount the, the window wherever it is going to be. And you've got these grooves that have been that kind of have been crafted between the shapes that you then fill with lead grooved lead that you solder uh if, if you've ever soldered before yeah you just your high amount of heat onto lead melts it down and then you pull the heat away and it quickly cools and grabs back on and that's a quick way to bind this glass with one another and so piece by piece they are adding glass with soldering soldered lead between it piece soldered lead again and again and again and that again i i feel like i'm very excited about it but i think sagrada does such a great job of nailing their theme that's a huge part of the rules of the game too is that you have to begin your stained glass window from the edge of your board and each die that you add to it has to be to an adjacent die that's because the artist can't put something on one end and then just put a piece in the middle of the window. There's nothing there for it to attach to. It is this kind of spider web that builds out. You think about when you're making a jigsaw puzzle, you always start with the corners and then you try to build in. And if you find pieces, sure, but ultimately that's what you're doing. But yeah, once they get all the pieces in place, uh, according to the cartoon, and it gets secured to the window and you have a beautiful piece of stained glass. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. <laughs> Easy pieces. Uh, yeah. So that's pretty much about it. I think I have one more fun fact that the oldest existing stained glass windows that are still around are from the 1100s, and they can be found in Augsburg Cathedral in Germany. Oh, so these are this this is a window that's still around. Yeah. 1100. 1100. Wow. 1100. Yeah. For some reason, I thought it was gonna be older. Well, like, we have examples of glass. Like, we found glass from, like, Egypt and things like oh, that. Oh, yeah, I guess. They're, but if... they're just not complete windows. They're not complete works. So, like, we have yeah. records and glass from the earlier, earlier stuff, but it's not still intact. Yeah, I guess that is kind of impressive. <laughs> it's a nearly a thousand-year-old window. Yeah. That's very, very cool. Sounds like we need to go to Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Yavo. What do you got? Anything else? That's all I got. All right. That's all I got. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Board, ladies and gentlemen. If you enjoyed what you heard today, why don't you hit that subscribe button? Or if you got any questions, comments, or concerns, or just want to say hi, you can email us at beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to find us on the Instagrams, you can find us at goingbtb. Or you can find us at WizBot Games because we do other things besides this podcast. We actually make games. So you can check us out there. Uh, you can also find that at WizBotGames.com. And with all that being said, Spencer, you're such a pain. Get it? Mm. The pain. You're a real crack up. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't hit as well. <laughs>